can't preach after that. You just ain't never been called, all I can say. Good song there. Good job, young people. 2 Thessalonians 3. 2 Thessalonians 3. I might have brought too much to the table for one meal. This thing got, the, got, got bigger the more I studied it. And I don't know but what. I shouldn't have probably made a little series out of this, but we'll see if we can't get as far into it as we can. Uh, it's a subject that's uh, been on my mind for the last couple weeks. And um, <clears throat> my throat. My throat's kind of dry, kind of raspy. It gets like that when I get tired. But I'm, I'll get my second win here in about five minutes, all right? Now, if y'all go to sleep on me, I'm going to lay down beside you and sleep with you. But if you'll holler at me, I'll preach, all right? Amen. Second Thessalonians 3, y'all look tired. I'm going to let y'all stay seated. Y'all want to stand up? Stand up. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross, Brother Larry Brown says. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse number 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the traditions which ye received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, Neither do we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. I want to preach tonight on this verse and about 400 other ones. On this thought, a biblical work ethic. A biblical work ethic. Lord, bless the time that we have. I pray that you'd help me be able to cover the ground. And I pray that our people, Lord, tonight be strengthened and encouraged from the scriptures. Give us liberty, strength, and power in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, right here in our text, the Apostle Paul uses a word three times that he didn't use anywhere else that I could find, and it is the word disorderly. So by way of introduction, I want to look at three things about this disorderly crowd. By the way, if you look up the word, it literally means deviating from the prescribed order or rule, okay? So there's a way things ought to be done. Those that don't do the way it ought to be done is disorderly. They're getting it out of order. Three things by way of introduction I want to show you just from the verses I just read. Number one, if you're taking notes, we see an exit from the disorderly. We see that in verse number six. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. Okay, this is a biblical admonition about how to respond when you've got somebody, and this is another Christian, by the way. It's a brother in the Lord, someone that's disorderly. You better be very careful because evil communications corrupt good manners. And 
there's a lot of people who says, well, I think I can help them. I think if I spend some time with them, I can bring them around. Well, you better be careful. The Bible says, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, all right? You better make sure you're spiritual enough to be able to restore somebody. But he's given some wise counsel here. If somebody's disorderly, it's important that you don't follow them, but rather you follow uh, Christ and follow the examples. And that's what he said there. Withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which you received of us. Okay, so he says you've been taught how things ought to be. You've been taught a certain way to live. You've been taught what God expects of you as a Christian. Make sure you don't get off track following somebody that's disorderly. And then he repeated it again in verse number 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. And so again, there's a, there's a line that has to be drawn where at some point you gotta decide, is this person I'm gonna hang around with all the time? Are we gonna do stuff together all the time? I'm gonna always go over to their house, they're gonna come over to my house and we're gonna do everything together or am I just gonna kinda pull back a little bit because they're going in a direction that's not what the Bible prescribes, all right? Now there's a lot of churches that won't touch what I'm touching and preaching on right now, but as long as I, as far as I know, I'm still in the book. There's an exit from the disorder. You don't treat them like, a, like, a, like an enemy. You don't treat them as a heathen. You warn them and you pray for them. You just might want to back up a little bit, keep your distance, because if you're not careful, they'll pull you into their disorderly lifestyle as well. So we see an exit from the disorderly. We see an example to the disorderly, verses seven, eight, and nine. For yourselves know how, we, how ye ought to follow us. Don't follow the ones that walk disorderly. If you want to imitate somebody, imitate us. He said, follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, neither do we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought, that word wrought means worked. We worked and wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. He says, we didn't want to be an expense. We didn't want to be a burden. We didn't want to put an unnecessary and undue burden on you as a bunch of new believers in a small church just getting started. And so I want you to say, Paul says, now I want you to know, we set an example of working night and day. This is the context of what we're looking at in the text. Verse number nine, for not because we have not power. He says, we could have. We could have said everybody in here needs to start tithing. Everybody needs to put money in the offering plate. And because we're God's men and we're doing the work of God, and the Bible says, not the muzzle of the mouth of the oxen that treadeth out the corn. And uh, we could, and, and those, that's, those that live of the ministry ought to, those that are in the ministry ought to live of the ministry and all the other good verses. He said, we could have put that burden on you. We'd been biblically correct to do it, but we didn't do it. We didn't want to be chargeable to you. But rather, he said, we were an example to you to follow us. We wanted to show you how you're supposed to live when it comes to having a work ethic. Paul tells, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 18 that tent by, uh, Paul by trade was a tent maker. All right? That's what he did for a living. Acts uh, 18, you don't have to turn over there, but verses one down through verse number three tells us that he stayed and abode with a, a couple named Aquila and Priscilla because he was of the same craft. He abode with them and wrought Wrought, W-R-O-G-H-T, he worked, he wrought, for he, by their occupation, they were tent makers. And so the apostle Paul, though he was an apostle, though he was God's man and he had an unction and an anointing and he had a, a divine commission given to him on the road to Damascus, he still had to pay his bills. He still had to buy his food, still had to buy clothes. 
he still had to uh, had daily expenses. And instead of trying to be in a burden and an expense on all the people, he did he did he did side work. He made tents when he wasn't teaching and preaching. And he said, when Thessalonica, he said we worked night and day. We spent all day soul winning, knocking doors and knocking flaps or whatever they had on their tents. And he said we were trying to get people saved and grounded and disciple. And then at night we'd go home and we'd get our stuff out and we'd sit there and make tents. He said we worked night and day. So we could be an example to you. Is everybody still with me? And then thirdly, we see there's an exhortation to the disorderly. In verse number 10, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. How's that for a Bible verse? We exhorted you, he said when we were there, we exhorted you and we commanded you that if anybody would not work, neither should he eat. That's a good verse. If somebody's handicapped or somebody's sickly or somebody's feeble, somebody's weak, and we'll get this in just a minute, and they're not able to work, they're incapable of working, that is one thing. But I've said it many times, and I'm not apologizing for it. If you're able-bodied and you're too lazy to work, you can starve to death for all I care. Amen. That's what Paul said, too. Paul said, if you don't work, don't eat. Ain't my job to feed you if you got the ability to work. And then he said, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. The context of this whole passage, he's talking about working. That's what he's talking about. He said, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm hearing that you got people in the church that don't even work. All they do is go around from house to house, run their mouth. Busybodies. Now them... That are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. They'll show up at your house at mealtime. They want to fellowship and eat with you because they're too lazy to buy their own bread and catch you up on all the latest gossip. So we see the exit. We see the example. We see the exhortation. We could preach for about three weeks on just them three points right there. Some great quotes that I found about the practice of hard work. Thomas Jefferson said, I'm a great believer in luck. And I find the harder I work, the more of it I have. Ain't that the truth? Thomas Edison said, the three great essentials to achieve anything worthwhile are first, hard work. Second, stick-to-itiveness. Third, common sense. There is no substitute for hard work. Zig Ziglar said, there are no traffic jams on the extra mile. Ain't that the truth? Someone said if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven played music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. What are we talking about? We're talking about a work ethic. We're talking about somebody, we're talking about somebody that takes their job serious and when they're working, they're working and they're working hard and they have a biblical work ethic. We live in one of the laziest generations this nation has ever seen. Thanks to all the technology, the microwaves and all the washing machines and the, and the, and the dryers and the, and the water heaters and all the, all the gadgets that we've got, we don't have to do anything but push a button. That's all we have to do, stand there and push a button. 
Our grandparents used to have to cut fire, go in the woods, find dead trees, cut them down, split them up, build a fire. They had to cook food over a stove, over a fire, and they had to wash clothes out with a washboard, and they had to hang them up to dry, and everything was the hard way. And I'm telling you, back then, the life was a lot harder, but it was a lot better, and now we got all these gadgets and all this technology, and I'm telling you, we got a society today, they ain't worth shooting. We used to say down south, they're sorry as gully dirt. That's what my pawpaw used to say, they're sorry as gully dirt. That's about as sorry as you can get. That's about as low down as a snake's belly in a wagon rut. It's awful society. People, they'd rather stay home and get a, gov get a government check from Joe Biden than go earn a living. It's unbelievable. Live on crumbs. Live on crumbs. Live in a junky house and walk wherever they got to go, but praise God, they're going to have that cell phone, ain't they? They're going to have that flat screen HD TV. Come on now. They ain't got two dimes rubbed together, but they're going to have that internet, and they're going to have that cable television, and they're going to have that flat screen HD TV, and their kids are walking around, ain't had their diaper changed in three days, but they're going to have all that technology, and then they want us to pay for it. I got a problem with that. God's people need to be known for having a biblical work ethic. I don't know how far I'm going to get in this message. Three, a couple things I want to notice. Number one, I want you to notice God's institution of work. God instituted work, by the way. God instituted work, okay? Work's not a dirty word. W-O-R-K, that's not a dirty word. That's a good word. You'll teach it to your family, teach it to your children. We'll get to that in a minute, hopefully, Lord willing. God was our pattern for biblical work ethic, Genesis chapter number two. We find the word work in Genesis two, verse two and three, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. God, the creator of the universe, was known for his work ethic. In fact, when you open up your Bible to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created. The very first verse in your Bible shows God roll up his sleeves and go to work. That's right. If God can work, you can work. Jesus Christ had an absolutely incredible work ethic. You don't have to turn there unless you're real fast, but in Mark chapter number one, I love this passage of scripture because you get a little insight into the work ethic of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter number one, verse 29, forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. Verse 32, watch this. And at even when the sun did set, he found a recliner, kicked back and watched football. Is that what it says? Bible says, and that even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils and all the city was gathered together at the door and he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. I don't know how late into the night he served and ministered and healed and worked, but it was on up into the night. He didn't start until after the sun went down. Look at verse number 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. A little glimpse into Jesus Christ's work ethic. 
ministering and serving and working on up into the night, got up early in the morning, a great while before day, and went out and went to praying. Disciples had to come hunting, had to come looking for him. They slept in until about nine o'clock and then they had their post toasties and they had their pop tarts and then they put on their flip flops and they went looking for Jesus. And Jesus has done been down yonder on the south end of the lower 40 praying for about three or four hours when they finally, oh, oh there you are. Oh, all them people last night that was outside that door, they want you to come back. Jesus said, no, we're going to the next city. Look at the verse. Look at what it says. We're talking about a work ethic. He says, no, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. He said, I didn't come here to play around and goof around and backtrack and double up. He said, we got work to do, boys. Put your work boots on. It's time to go to work. A little insight into his work ethic. Well, God instituted it. He gave man a job in Genesis 2, 15. Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. The very first man didn't have a bill one, not one bill. Not a house payment, car payment, cell phone payment. He didn't have a Home Depot card. He didn't have none of that. No, no gas, no electric, no water bill. He had no bills. And you know what? God gave the first man a job. You girls looking at these boys, I think he's cute. I'd be more interested in his paycheck than I would his face. That face ain't going to put food on the table. That's right. Oh, he's so handsome. Look at his fingernails. Does he know how to work? Has he got calluses on them? Come on now. God gave man a job before he gave him a wife. Come on now. God's curse on man was hard work. That's his curse, Genesis 3, verse 17, down through verse number 19. And Adam, he said, because thou hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying thou shalt eat of it, he said, thorns and thistles shall bring, this, bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In sorrow, verse number 17, thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse 19, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Oh, Pastor, can we stop for just a second? My brow is moisturizing. My brow is glistening from moisture, Pastor. Can we take a break? We got a generation of young boys today, they don't even know what sweat is. They, they think there's a leak in the house if there's sweat running down their face. There's a leak somewhere. Sweat. God looked at Adam and said, from here on out, you're gonna sweat. That's how you're gonna make a living, is sweat. Good old, good old clean sweat. Shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Is everybody okay? God instituted hard work. He set an example. Jesus set an example. It's part of it. Number two, we see God's incriminations. God addressed the matter of slothfulness and idleness and sluggards in the Bible dozens of times. Dozens of times. Ecclesiastes 10, 18, by much slothfulness, the building decayeth. And through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. You can build a brand new house, the thing will fall in if you don't, if you don't work on it. A brand new house. I'm telling you, a five-year-old house, if you don't do something to it, the thing will look like it's been sitting there for 30 years. 
Proverbs 6, go to the ant, thou sluggard. I know it's baseball season. He didn't say slugger. He said sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? I, I don't understand how these young people need so much stinking sleep. I don't understand it. Go to bed at 10 o'clock and sleep till lunch? I ain't never in all my born days needed that much sleep. If I'd have wanted it, I wouldn't have got it. My parents would have come in there with a broom and beat my behind. Get out of that bed, boy. Find you something to do. I didn't get up at lunch and come walking in there, what we got for breakfast? Breakfast, we're eating lunch, you bum. I'm still in the book, not the bum part, but how long wilt thou sleep, old sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? That's a good question. When you gonna wake up? When you gonna get up? How long are you gonna sleep in there? Yet a little while, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. You're gonna be broke as a hang. You're gonna be broke as a convict if you don't learn how to get out of bed and go to work. You know you're a worker when you don't even need an alarm clock to get up. You wake up before the alarm goes off. Come on now. Some of y'all look at me like, I don't even hear my alarm. I wouldn't brag about that if I was you. I wake up in the morning, I wake up in the morning so energized about the job of the day. And I don't care what it is. It don't matter to me. It don't matter what I'm doing. I'm so, I wake up so energized that I can't hardly go, I can't go back to sleep. And I find myself, Brother Bernard, I just get up and go ahead and get my boots on and come on down here. Too much to do. To, I can sleep when I'm dead. And I'm almost there, praise God. <laughs> Proverbs 20, verse 4, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the coal. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Oh, oh, God, it's too cold. Yesterday was too hot. Make your mind up. I don't feel good. I think I got a fever. I got a fever. <coughs> I don't feel good. <coughs> I got a little something. I think we'll go back to bed. You low down, sorry piece of junk. Boom. Go to work. I've preached with a 103 temperature. I remember I was working on a framing crew one time and I was fooling around with a skill saw and cut my leg open. I mean, sliced my leg open. I mean, my blue jeans, my long johns, everything. I was all hung up, bread in my skill saw. We'd take that guard and we'd put a shim in there and didn't have that guard on a skill saw. And I, I keyed it up and laid it down right on my leg. And boy, it gnawed, it, it eat my leg up. I'd take a razor knife and cut that saw off of my pants and my britches was laid open, my blue jeans, my long johns, because it was cold, and I had a gash from here to here. And my boss, Joe, said, you probably need to go get that sawn up, Stacy." So I went and got in the car, drove myself to the emergency room, got about 15 stitches in my leg, drove back to work, went back to work. Now, if I'd have been born, if, I, if I'd have been in 2021, oh, I'd have been in the bed for three months. I'd have had workman's comp papers. I'd have been coming to church on a crutch. I'd have been putting my name on the prayer list. Y'all pray for me, I cut my leg. 
Man, we just wrap we just wrap electrical tape around it and just go on. Come on now, a bunch of snowflake sissies don't know how to work. Always looking for a reason to get out of work. Trying to preach, y'all leave me alone, quit. Slugger will not plow by reason of the coal. You guys want to, you want to get a girlfriend and get married? You want to have a family? Just think about this before you walk down that aisle and say, I do. You've got to feed them. And if things don't change around here real soon, you're going to need a whole lot of money to do that. We're going to be paying $5 a gallon for milk for it's over with. It'd be cheaper to move a cow into the living room and just hook a siphon up to it, praise God. What a mess. Oh, I just want to get, we just, we just going to live on love. I want to see that. You'll be the first one to live on love. We're going to live on love. I've seen a lot of guys live on love. They pick up about 40 pounds in the first six months living on love. You got to go to work. When it's hot outside, you got to work outside when it's cold. You got to work when it's cold. You got to do whatever you got to do. Feed them youngins, feed that wife, and feed yourself. Amen. Some of y'all ain't never fasted. You're going to believe, believe in it when you get married. You're going to want everybody to fast for about a week at a time. <laughs> Proverbs 26, verse 13, the slothful man saith, there's a line in the way. A line is in the streets. That's a slothful man. There's a line in the streets. We're all going to die. We'll move. Get out of the street. What are we going to do? I don't know. Use your brain. As the door turneth upon its hinges. Some of y'all are all worried about all them containers out yonder off the coast of San Francisco. What are we going to do with all of our stuff? I don't know. Plan ahead. We ain't going to be able to get nothing. Plan ahead. As the door turneth upon its hinges, so doth the slothful man upon his bed. I can't get comfortable. I can't get comfortable. I can't go to sleep. Oh, you've been sleeping for 12 hours. <laughs> the slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. Oh, it's just so hard. It's so hard. Would you hand me that remote? I can't reach it. <laughs> hand me that remote. It's, somebody bring me the remote so I can change the channel. Boom. Lazy. Sorry, boom. Man, when I was a kid, I was the remote. That's right. Over there, you channel. You channel. Click, click, click. Rabbit ears, tin foil, aluminum foil, rabbit ears. All right, don't move. Don't move. Remember that? Now we're too lazy to the remote. Oh, my word. We're out of batteries. I guess I'll just watch this channel until Amazon delivers me some new batteries. Sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. You can't tell him anything. God's incrimination. Boy, God don't have anything positive to say about lazy people. Thirdly, write this down, God's intentions. God's intentions. Why did God intend for us to have to work? Number one, to live. <laughs> to live. That's right. The early bird gets a worm, right? And what it said, early bird gets a worm? The robins and the birds, you know, the ones that are chirping and they're flying around in the morning when you wake up, they get up early and go grocery shopping, right? They go to work. 
We got people today, I don't, I don't have anything. It's because you don't do anything. I don't have a whole lot of pity for people that's able-bodied. Now, I, know there's, I know there's legitimate needs. I'm not preaching about that tonight. We'll preach another whole message on charity and taking care of people. But tonight we're talking about a work ethic. Proverbs 19.15, slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. God's intentions for us to work was so we could live, so we could have some money. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 10 down through verse number 12. And indeed you do it um, toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more and that you study to be quiet and do your own business and work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. There's a novel concept here. Work for it. I told these young people, I've been here seven years, and we started pastor hour about five or six years ago, and on Wednesday afternoon, we'd go back there and shut the door, and I'd tell these young people, I said, don't you get tired of asking your mom and daddy for $5 so you can go to Chick-fil-A? Don't you get tired of that? 14 years old, 15 years old, 16 years old, you can't even go to Burger King and get a Whopper without asking mom and daddy for it? I said, what would be nice is if mom and daddy was coming to you and asking you for money, because you had a job and you had to manage your money. Boy, I started hammering on these boys and these girls about working and working and learn to work and put that Xbox up and sell that stupid Nintendo and go get a job and learn how to make money and learn how to manage your money so you can have money so that you don't have to always have your hand out asking everybody else for something you need. And that thing caught on. Boy, we got young men now that's in here. They making more money than they know what to do with. They got their own business. I'm telling you, they're killing it. I'm getting to that. <laughs> Try working for it. Set your money aside. Save your money. And pay cash for it. Oh, I got, I got another credit card offer in the mail. Yeah, go ahead and turn that in, you moron. 40% interest. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, how dumb can you be? 35% interest. 35% interest, 25% interest, you got four, five, six credit cards, your credit is shot, and if you had one little hiccup, you'd be in the hole so far, you would never get out. Some of y'all need to perform a plastectomy, cut up them credit cards. Wait and pay for it. Pay cash for it, come on now. I had a whole bunch of verses in here about the, 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 the borrower being servant to the lender and about not paying, not paying interest and, and usury, but I didn't, want, I didn't want to throw that in here. I didn't want to discourage you too much. But God wants you to work so you can live. Number two, he wants you to work so you can give. The work of, God, the work of God's got to be funded somehow, and lost people, the world, is not going to be the ones doing it. It's going to be God's people. And if God's people had a biblical work ethic, there'd be more money than we knew what to do with to do and perform the work of God. It ain't cheap to send missionaries all over the world. It ain't cheap to print tracts and Bibles. It's not cheap uh, to, to win the world of Christ. It's not cheap to get it done. But if God's people was to have a biblical work ethic and they understood what it meant to work, and, and I don't even know where this 40-hour work week came from. I don't know where that come from. God looked at, at Adam and said, six days shalt thou labor. Six days. And, and, and Jesus worked from Candle Cain, and Peter, Paul worked from Candle Cain. We got this nine to five mentality. We waste more time. We, we, we spend more time doing nothing than most people do working. 
I just don't have any money. Well, you don't work but half a day. There's 24 hours in the day. You need about six or seven hours of sleep. Go make some money. Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I know I've told this, but I worked three jobs in high school to pay my own Christian school tuition. My parents didn't send me through Christian school. I sent myself through Christian school. Three jobs in school. And then I worked all summer and I went to Pensacola, paid for it myself. I'll never forget the time that they brought me into the dean's office. He said, I'm thinking about calling your dad. I said, why you won't call my dad? Well, I mean, you're down here at college. I said, my daddy ain't helping me get down here. I said, I paid for everything. I paid for my car, my insurance. I paid for the gas. I paid for my room and board. I bought my books. My daddy didn't give me one dime to be down here. What do you want to call daddy for? If I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't be here. He looked at me like that. I was probably the only kid on the whole campus that could say that. And I worked after hours. I worked on stage crew. I went to work when everybody else was going to bed and worked till 3 o'clock in the morning. All I'm saying is we can sleep all the time and goof off and play. If we was to work like the Bible really wants us to, we'd have a lot more money to live on, a lot more money to give. Right. Acts 20, 35, I've showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. One of the blessings of working and making money is you got money to give. Missionaries come through here or we have a project, or we have something we want to do, and you've got money in the bank because you're a worker. Number four, is everybody okay? We moved that clock over about four feet, and I keep looking at that blank spot, and I don't see the clock. It's right there, but my brain's looking right there, and I don't even know what time it is. Number four, number four we see God's instructions about work. I'm going to give you four or five subpoints right quick. Are you ready? Men should have a biblical work ethic. 1 Timothy 4, 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That is 1 Timothy 5, 8. If you don't provide for your own family, the Bible says you're worse than an unbeliever. Men should have a biblical work ethic. Number two, women should have a biblical work ethic. I wish to have the time, but I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Proverbs 31, verse 10 through 31. I don't trust you to do your homework. I'm going to read it right quick. I can see somebody, when I said homework, he's like, yeah, you got to read it. Yeah, we're going to read it. Proverbs 31, is everybody still with me? This verse number 10, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She's like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth up also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth the field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arm. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. 
She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands to the distaff. She stretched out her hands to the poor. Yea, she reached forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. Strength and honor are in her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and her tongue in the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Men ought to have a biblical work ethic. Ladies ought to have a biblical work ethic. <laughs> it looks on some of y'all's faces, it's priceless right now. It's amazing how many women, you ain't cleaned your house since Moby Dick was a minna. I guarantee you can reach up on the couch and rub the floor and you'd have enough fuzz on there to stuff a pillow. Dishes stacked up on the counter, ain't been washed since Coons Day. And I'm telling you right now, sitting on TV, laying on TV, laying up there like a beach well on the, on the couch watching days of our lives and, and as the puke turns and all this other garbage, soap operas and on Facebook and on, and on the internet and the house is falling down and the kids ain't been fed and the laundry ain't been done. Read Proverbs 31 when you get home and have a biblical work ethic. Is everybody okay? Even the widows, according to 1 Timothy chapter 5, should have a biblical work ethic. In the widows, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 9, let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. Well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet. If she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work, but the younger women refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. And withal, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. He said, even the widows, if they're under 60, ought to be able to figure out a way to make a living. Come on now. God's instructions, men should have a work ethic. Married women should have a work ethic. Widows should have a biblical work ethic. Number four, we should work to the best of our ability. Proverbs 10, four, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. You boys, you young people down here on these first few rows, look up in here and listen to me just a second. One of the greatest things that you can ever do is learn how to work and work hard. Listen to me when I tell you, you don't sweep, you don't sweep like this. I break brooms when I sweep. <laughs> get that dustpan and get it up. Some of y'all take 10 minutes over here. You missed half of it. Don't know how to run a broom. Don't know how to cut grass. Don't know how to run a weed eater. Don't even know how to make up a bed. You can't even throw your dirty clothes in the laundry basket. You can't wring your bath cloth out and hang it up on the rack. You can't throw your towel up on the rack. Come on now. And your mama's in there right behind you, picking up behind you. My mama didn't do that for me. My mama didn't pick up behind me. 
My mama come in there, she said, you clean your mess up. Your room was like a pig pen. Go clean your room up. My, wife, my mom performed a white glove inspection every day. She wasn't even in the military, but she'd have put a lot of military people to shame with her white glove inspection. You didn't dust it again, dust it again. Well, I got most of it. Get it all. Work hard. Work hard to the best of your ability. Ecclesiastes 9, 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Work hard. Work hard. Make, do it hard. Work hard. Hard work. Do a good job. Don't just get, when you cut the grass, don't get 75% of it and leave sprigs everywhere. I hate that. Wash the car and you miss the whole front fender. I hate that. Wash the whole car. Cut the whole yard. And then edge it. And then blow off all the grass into the neighbor's yard. Right. Do it right. Cut grass like this and then go back inside and play Xbox. That's just enough to make me mad. Work hard, do it right. It's worth doing, do it right. It's a thousand ways to do it wrong, there's one way to do it right. First Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all in the glory of God. Glorify God, does it glorify God? Does it glorify God? Did you do a good enough job on it that God is glorified? That's your litmus test for what you're supposed to do. It don't matter if you're a welder or a carpenter or a painter. It don't matter if you're a computer programmer. It don't matter if you're flipping burgers at the burger shack. It don't matter what you do. Whatever you do, you do it with all of your might as under the Lord. Right. And lastly, but not least, I'm talking about God's instructions. We should work so that we can carry that same work ethic over into the furtherance of the ministry. See, this is where it all comes full circle right here. You can't read very far in your Bible without finding words like ministry, minister, labor, serve, servants, all this Christian life, it's all about work, labor, serving. And if you don't have a biblical work ethic, you're going to make a lousy Christian. There can be no ministry without workers. Jesus had one prayer request, one. Jesus had one prayer request. You know what it was? We need workers. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Jesus had one prayer request and it was for more workers. The harvest truly is great, Luke 10 too, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. There's nothing gets under my skin anymore than somebody said, that's not my job. It's not my job. Do you see it needs doing? Do you have the ability to do it? Then do it. Well, I ain't getting paid for it. That's your problem right there. If you only do what you're getting paid for, you ain't going to do much. Amen. Philippians 1.27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you may stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, working together. It's work. It's work. It's work. It's work. Ministry's work. Serving God is work. If you don't have a biblical work ethic, you're not going to do much for God. A whole lot of ground we covered in a short amount of time. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I wonder if there maybe somebody might need to slip down here in the altar. Maybe moms and dads need to rethink the amount of time you've spent training your children to work. I feel sorry for them. Quit feeling sorry for them. Teach them how to work. Unless you want to be supporting them when they're 40 years old, you might want to teach them how to work. They have a bad day on the job, don't let them quit. Their boss chews them out, don't let them quit. Teach them to work. 